Good morning, Ooses, and welcome to the fourth episode of Not Your Mama Soap Opera, Act 2, Wrestling Renaissance Limited, where sports entertainment is a lifestyle. As always, I'm your host, the NPR of the IWC, DFDC, Jeff Pomaccio. Hoping all the Ooses out there had a happy and safe Halloween weekend. I certainly Had a really enjoyable one having the opportunity to dress up as Bill Murray from Space Jam and my better half dressing up as Lola Bunny. So that was really cool, the two of us having some 90s nostalgia this past weekend for sure, especially during the midst of the chaos that has now become the new normal here in 2020. Regardless, although, this week was a tremendous week in professional wrestling and there are several, you know, items and matches and things that I really want to talk about here on the fourth episode of Act 2. But before that, if you want all the latest show information and just an opportunity to interact with me more, you can do so by following me on Twitter at Long Island's 1892. That's at L-O-N-G-I-S-L-A-N-D-1892. No surprise here, but I am thoroughly, continually mesmerized by everything our tribal chief and your universal champion, Roman Reigns, continues to do Friday nights on SmackDown on Fox. Especially the promo that he cut against Jay after his match with Daniel Bryan and the aloofness that Roman was able to articulate is such a masterful craft and really shows us, the viewers, how confident he is now behind the microphone. And the story that they're telling since his return at SummerSlam is really exciting to me. And I cannot wait to see the matchup between Roman Reigns and Randy Orton at Survivor Series coming on later in the month of November. Even Roman's calm demeanor as Jay is breaking down in front of him in the middle of the ring, which is echoing the breakdown that Roman had in the middle of the ring at Hell in a Cell, but you're seeing this breakdown when he says, you know, you called the one person in that would make me say I quit, his brother Jimmy. And the best part is, Roman sits there, grins, and says, of course I did. He knew this. It was all calculated. This is not, you know, something that fell into Roman's lap. This is a title paradigm shift to borrow a term from his former stablemate, now the AEW champion, John Moxley. Even on a completely different level, when Roman Reigns goes into the responsibility and the burden of being the universal champion and being the face of the WWE, in that moment, he's not just speaking to his cousin. In my belief, he's talking to the entire WWE locker room and everyone in the WWE universe who ever doubted his position in the main event and as a top guy as the face of the WWE. And now it's time everyone bows down to the big dog. Roman Reigns is in complete and utter control. And that's exactly the position that I want to see him in as this godfather tribal chief. He even said it to Jay himself. You saw my father, the eldest of the chiefs. You saw my uncle, your father. And you see everyone in the lowest of the family backing Roman Reigns. And like the marks of WWE past screaming in Roman Reigns' face as Jay does, I hate you. Why do you have to do me like that? It's a mellow, 
drama. It is a shoot on the relationship between Roman Reigns and the WWE Universe who weren't siding with him because those who are supposed to be his family. That's how I'm interpreting this. I see it as, for me personally, as a lifelong Roman Reigns fan, as someone who's always recognized Roman Reigns as my tribal chief. Jay represents everybody who said, Roman is being pushed down our throats. Roman doesn't deserve to be here. Roman didn't deserve to beat The Undertaker. Roman didn't deserve to win the Royal Rumble when he did. Luckily, Roman is now getting on that microphone, standing in the middle of the ring, looking his cousin and everybody through the screen of their Thunderdome dead in the eye, breaking the fourth wall, and letting everybody know in a calm, cool way. Even telling Paul he still doesn't get it. They still don't get it. You still won't accept that Roman Reigns is the face of the WWE. Roman Reigns is the top dog. He is the big guy. He is your tribal chief, and he is your universal champion. And even so, Roman Reigns shows you he is deserving to be there. Even as his cousin says he hates him. And Roman understands that. But Roman always has maintained the respect and love for his cousin. A.K.A. those fans and marks that said Roman didn't deserve to be there. Well now you finally got what you asked for. A heel Roman Reigns where he shows up and wins, wrecks everybody, and leaves. That's exactly what you're getting like he showed us in Hell in the Cell, he has the Midas touch and everything and anything Roman says will turn to gold. If you listened to Act 1, you would know that I'm a big fan of TV shows where there's a lot of family in terms of family business. Whether it's The Sopranos, whether it's Sons of Anarchy, whether it's Peaky Blinders. There's always that almost crime syndicate, family, tribal, brotherhood, chief type thing. And, you know, the Roman Reigns Uso storyline that they're showing on SmackDown is really hitting all my buttons in the right way. So I cannot wait to see how this story advances. And as SmackDown continues to, you know, really tell these dynamic stories in that main event slot meaning in television you know 8 p.m on a network slot they have the spotlight let's see the stories that they can tell bravo to wwe creative for finally getting this right and i cannot wait to see you know this storyline continuing and how it unfolds for roman and the rest of the anai family However, for Roman's other S.H.I.E.L.D. member who's still under the WWE banner, the Monday Night Messiah, I guess now the Friday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. And, you know, the storyline that he finds himself in still with the Rey Mysterio uh, family is very interesting to me. Um, it's very interesting to me that they still have this going on. I think for Seth himself, I think he probably sees it as an honor to work such a... You know, so many matches with a legend like Rey Mysterio, um, even though that it hasn't exactly been straight, you know, wrestling per se. It's been more on that entertainment side. And that definitely was the case when we saw Rey Mysterio's daughter make out seemingly with Buddy Murphy um, on SmackDown. And I, I mean, that's not really here or there to me. I never really invested myself in this storyline initially. Um, I thought the storyline was about Dominic developing into a superstar, but that doesn't really seem to be the case anymore. 
So it's, I mean, it's interesting, but I don't know. I mean, I've, I enjoyed Seth's transition into this Messiah gimmick. Um, I think that it's very almost CM Punk-esque on a satire level. So I really enjoy that. And, um, but at the same time, I think Seth should be, you know, facing bigger opponents. I think he has, you know, the workings and the chops there to be facing bigger opponents. Um, you know, certainly he could be in contention for the IC title. He could be in contention for the tag belts as well. If he finds a new disciple or even with Murphy, I mean, there's no reason why he can't be doing that. So I'm interested to see where Seth Rollins goes. I mean, you know, I was rearranging my MOC elite collection and I have so many Seth Rollins figures, um, from earlier in his, career and it's just like what happened you know what happened i don't understand he, you know he's i just don't understand you know the, the greatest thing about the shield was that all three of them were extremely consistent and you know since um aw and dean ambrose becoming and resuming his monocle of john moxley and Joining AEW, it seems as though Moxley's been consistent, Roman's been consistent, and then there's Seth. Um, not really sure where it's going here, but I'm certainly here for the ride. And, you know, with this development of Murphy and um, Rey Mysterio's daughter, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, I don't really care too much. Um it, you know what what is going to to really happen there i mean what can really happen there you know every kind of relationship angle that they've utilized in storyline that we've seen whether it be lana and bobby lashley and rusev aka miro or you know even before that i mean maurice doesn't even work with the miz anymore brie bella isn't working with daniel bryan anymore you know these coupled off wrestling pairs that are genuine couples you know as portrayed as couples on screen aren't really working at all and that's not to say that a mixed gender tag isn't working because i think it absolutely is and we'll get more on that later when we talk about miss alexa bliss and her uh, uh you know appearance in the firefly funhouse again this past week on monday night raw so you know i'm like i said in the last episode i'm a tremendous supporter of mixed gender team-ups i think it's a really unique opportunity for storytelling and i think it was seen really effectively even before all this with zelina vega and andrade um you know we haven't seen andrade for a few weeks so um, you know, we're seeing what's going on there. I'm definitely waiting and anticipating his return to the ring, hopefully with a big splash as well. Um, however, he and Charlotte looked wonderful as Batman and Catwoman, respectively, from 1992's Batman Returns. You know, on SmackDown, I was very intrigued by the Lars Sullivan interview and sit-down that he did with Corey Graves. Um, and I have to tell you, his voice was not what I was expecting. It was very uh, underwhelming, this freak persona that they're giving him and supposed to intimidate everybody. I mean, I don't understand that at all. If you if you look at him next to Roman, it's night and day. It really is. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, in a certain extent, should be expected, being that he is so green in another sense that it is really interesting 
Um, and I'm very much so, uh, you know, confused but curious at the same time, even given, you know, his history and all the allegations that are coming out about him, where the story for Lars Sullivan is going to take him. So we've got to see. Another match at Survivor Series that I'm very excited to see unfold is Asuka and Sasha Banks. I really hope that WWE finally gives Sasha Banks the respect that she deserves with the title, not having her drop it with her first title defense. So that'd be really exciting to see what the legit boss has in store. Last week, Halloween Havoc returned to Airwaves presented by WWE NXT, and it definitely was the sight to see. For me, the standout match absolutely was the North American title match between Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. And I was very surprised to see Johnny Gargano pull off the victory. I love the symbolism of him slashing the smiling jack-o'-lantern. Not to mention his and Candice's Nightmare Before Christmas gear that needs to be made into an elite action figure immediately. Truth be told though, I really appreciated Punishment Martinez's role as Damian Priest when he did hold the North American title. And I hope that after seeing, you know, his run with the belt, he can go on to win the NXT championship, if not prior to some main event straps when he gets called up, if that is in his future. I am really impressed. And that's another um figure-wise that I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on. I really loved the overall aesthetic of Halloween Havoc. It wasn't, you know, a direct copy of the WCW uh, first incarnation, but there were, you know, different elements that really made it shine. Um, Shotzi Blackheart and everything and all the effort that she um, put into hosting Halloween Havoc definitely deserves um, some recognition and applause. She did a tremendous job and it was really really impressive to see and you know it was really taken back by um how much care was put into it and all the costumes and just all the you know really entertainment side that added so much the ambiance of the wrestling obviously seeing the genius of the sky Io Shirai go over um at the end was remarkable as well I'm really loving her reign as the NXT women's champion and I'm excited to see who is going to challenge her this week on the other side of battle in AEW it was a great show as always but I think what was most talked about in AEW was not actually this past week's episode of Dynamite itself but rather the rumors surrounding Darby Allen and Sting I think that Sting's involvement in AEW would be very similar to CM Punk's involvement in AEW it would be an ideal situation but it matters if the individuals want to step into the squared circle again. I think the parallels between Darby Allen and Sting are definitely there. I think even Sting in a capacity that we are seeing Jake the Snake Roberts in and Tully Blanchard, I think would be a great role for him. Even like Arn Anderson, you know, who's not to say that the singer still can't get involved if he wanted to. Obviously, he was um, in ring shape when Seth Rollins injured him a few years ago. But, you know, that's been that was a little while ago. So, you know, I would love to see Sting step into the ring again. Should he choose? You know, he was always kind of that dark knight, the one crow, that one mark that never fell in, under Vince McMahon's spell 
um, you know, a TNA and Impact icon um, that he went on after being the WCW legend of Sting and becoming that legendary Sting from Surfer Sting all the way to Crow Sting and even Joker Sting, as we saw later in TNA. You know, it's unfortunate that his run with, uh, you know, Titan Sports would come to an end in injury and even so much now with the drama of his Legends deal and is he going to get his action figure that he was contracted for and how does that play a role into it? And that's kind of how all these rumors started when we saw that Sting was no longer affiliated with WWE and through their merchandise and that figure getting pulled and so many different ins and outs that took away Sting. But with that started to emerge these rumors that he's going over to AEW. And if that is so, I could not be more excited. Speaking of rumors, mad props to Thunder Rosa, who has been playing and interacting with the trolls on Twitter and social media alike and having people guess where her next home is going to be, whether it be the likes of WWE or AEW. And I'm really excited to see where she goes. I really have enjoyed her reign as NWA Women's Champion and kind of the, you know, the arc that she's been on since. She's just such a wonderful person and you can tell she sincerely cares not only about her craft but of the craft of a whole in professional wrestling so it's really enriching and encouraging to see a talent like Thunder Rosa really have the world at her fingertips and I'm sure wherever she is whether if it's Impact whether if it's AEW whether if it's WWE whether it's NJPW stardom no matter where it can be I think she is guaranteed to find success so much applause and grease to her. Surprisingly, this week in professional wrestling, segments from Monday Night Raw continue to captivate my imagination as we go into the Wednesday Night War here. But, you know, I particularly the work with Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss, and as I mentioned, you know, I was going to praise that mixed-gender team-up, and this is exactly when I'm going to do so. You know, the Firefly Funhouse, now with the inclusion of Alexa Bliss, is a whole different dynamic. Now you have someone who's always there that's not a puppet that Bray Wyatt gets to interact with. And particularly with the use of swearing on this past week's episode, it was so funny to see how they reacted to the swear words, how they bleeped out the swear words. And it was very just, I don't, I don't know, it was so off-putting. You know, it really reminds me of the Vince McMahon puppet um from a few Firefly Funhouses ago, and he was like, it's such good shit. But it really was. That was my genuine reaction to it. Um, I think that it was really funny and really creative that Bray Wyatt almost kind of has this Professor X, Jean Grey relationship with Alexa Bliss, and he taps in to that darker side of the pain and play side that their dynamic is showing. You know, we've seen kind of that evolution from that Joker and Harley Quinn role to that Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland, and we're seeing that continue and evolve in its own way. Um, and I really think that it's cool. It gives a whole new sense of expansion and meaning to the Firefly Funhouse now that Alexa is involved. And I love that they're referencing the history between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. You're showing right there that long-term storytelling that so many wrestling fans have been longing for from the WWE and you're finally getting that and they're acknowledging it in you know a main event way and I think that's great to see and also it shouldn't be said that Drew McIntyre continues to establish that he's a main 
event player in so many different ways. And even through his social media game, when he said that he won't forget what Randy did to him, you know, I think that's very true. And I think it's very poignant. And even Randy recognizes in his promo when he said he's no longer a legend killer, but he is now simply a legend. He acknowledged that he's better than Ric Flair. He's better than John Cena. And if he's better than all those people, then you know for a fact he's better than Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre isn't shying away from taking ownership of the fact that he lost. He voluntarily went through that two-on-one handicap match against The Miz and John Morrison. And we saw The Miz nearly want to try to cash that in on Randy Orton. It was so entertaining to see Randy react to calling out Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, and The Fiend. And then you hear Alexa Bliss's music, and you forget for a second that there is that mixed-gender matchup in the Firefly Funhouse, but you're seeing it unfold, and Randy reacts in a really genuine reaction, I thought, which was really cool to see. And just as we were all taken off guard as Alexa Bliss walked out and said he could be here, out of nowhere we see that big Claymore and taken instantly right back to Claymore country and reminded why Drew McIntyre is the chosen one and why he was in the, that position as WWE champion in the first place. The story is continuing to evolve and we're seeing these strong stories unfolding right in front of our eyes. And that isn't to say The Miz isn't going back to his old ways. And we're seeing these charms of the character coming back. Even as I sit here and look at my old elite of The Miz holding the red Money in the Break briefcase with the WWE spinner title, we're seeing history repeats itself and rhymes in new ways for generations to come. Part of the reason why I think this is so effective is because when Drew Galloway, rather Drew McIntyre, was called back up to the main roster, he was called back up as a heel. We remember his work with Ziggler, we, we remember his match with Roman at WrestleMania 35, and we see this heel work from Drew McIntyre that really makes it okay when we see those strides of that, you know, that dark passion, that, you know, almost that dark side, you know, if you will, when you're using passion and anger and fear, and, you know, we're seeing those strides and, you know, kind of those flashes from Drew McIntyre when he's versing um, Randy Orton, and he's telling him in his ear, you know, I will make your life a living hell until I have that rematch to reclaim what is mine. And I think it's really amazing. I think it's really great storytelling. And I think you're, again, seeing that transition and the changing of the guard. Similarly, how we saw when Roman Reigns fought John Cena. We're, again, seeing that development established with this new realm. And that new generation of locker room leaders comes into the forefront whether it be Kofi, whether it be Roman, whether it be Drew, you know, and Randy as that legend, you know, we're seeing this new roster really develop its own identity, and I love to see it. And for me, though, this is why Survivor Series is so cool to me, because in the midst of SmackDown and Raw and NXT having their own stories, their own matches, their own shows that they're developing each and every week, at least this year for Raw and SmackDown, they're able to then have a tertiary story that they're able to tell. So not only do you get a Raw story and a SmackDown story on Mondays and Fridays respectively, but now you get a Raw story, a SmackDown story, and the Survivor Series story that we are building towards at the end of November. Another shining moment for Monday Night Raw, to me, was Retribution. I know they're not everybody's favorite, but if anyone got a chance to see Ali's promo that he posted on Twitter, 
it was really insightful and it was really cool and it really addressed all of the major problems that a lot of people have with retribution for example he said imagine having the name mustafa ali and looking like me and people only thinking that you can be one thing and putting you in that box and limiting you to achieve your goals well now it's time for retribution i gave them the name t-bar mace and slapjack I gave them those names. I made them wear a mask so that people wouldn't respect their names and respect their looks and look at them differently as though people have done to me. That right there, let me tell you, I was completely captivated in that moment. As I have been, even before Ali was introduced as the leader of Retribution, i just been loving what T-Bar and Slapjack have been doing on Twitter. But seeing them come to life even more and now put a face and a voice behind Retribution was so outstanding. And seeing how... Again, long-term storytelling of the hacker play into effect the naming and the controversial naming of Mustafa Ali. Don't forget, you know, a few months ago, Ali was known as just that. They took away the Mustafa part of his name, which was such a tremendous part of his character and who he is as an individual and his identity and who he wants to represent as a sports entertainer so i think it's so remarkable that he not only gets that full name back but he's able to use that name in such an effective way to bring awareness not only to the wwe locker room but to everybody watching at home and i for one stand with retribution which is why immediately as they announced retribution merch was up i went and instantly bought a hoodie and you know someone said in the comments wait doesn't this go against your thing because you're supposed to be for retribution and then you know it took a matter of seconds for somebody to say you know they're all playing a gimmick right but that's the best thing is when these gimmicks and when these characters and these larger than life personalities that they're playing on screen take moments and take aspects from their real life it makes it more believable it lets you suspend your disbelief and it lets you allow sports entertainment to be that lifestyle that everybody is enjoying so very much and i for one am really excited to see where retribution is going in addition to Survivor Series, in addition to the stories on SmackDown, in addition to NXT, and in addition to the other Raw stories that we've discussed here on this episode of Not Your Mama Soap Opera Act 2, Wrestling Renaissance Limited, where sports entertainment is a lifestyle. But before we wind things down, I really wanted to take a moment to share my experience this past weekend at the Wrestling Universe Comac Long Island Grand Opening Store, where I had the opportunity to meet Brian Myers, Smart Mark Sterling, and WWE legend Swoggle. These Impact and AEW stars are also, as you very well know, Brian Myers and Matt Cardona are the hosts of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast that I am a proud Hard Foundation member of. It truly you know, brings me great joy to be a part of the community that They've created, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to meet Brian Myers and Smart Mart Sterling and Swoggle, especially at this free signing at the local location in Comac, Long Island for the opening of the Wrestling Universe store. For if you guys don't know, they sell action figures, they have signings, so many cool things, and it's so awesome that they now have a second location further out on the island. In addition to a limited print with the three of them, I had Brian Meyer sign my triple zero at a 500 major wrestling figure podcast figure belt and shirt that Matt Cardona had previously signed. So that's really now a gem of my collection and something that's really cool. And I really appreciate it a lot. Signed with a paint pen so you know it's going to hold and look great for years to come. 
But the fun does not stop there. This coming Friday, I have the opportunity to be in attendance for Live 6, the return of the live show for the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. It was the serendipitous opportunity to take a road trip down to Baltimore, my old stomping grounds in the University of Maryland, and get to celebrate an evening with Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, Smart Mark Sterling, all the major marks, and many more for the return of the live show in Live 6 from Jimmy Seafood. It is sold out, and it's a very limited, obviously socially distant and safe event. So, you know, even amidst with the pandemic, we're able to stay safe and have a good time, and that's really what is most important. And that's something I'm really looking forward to. I always love when I can uh, go back home to Maryland. I have many homes around the world and the state of Maryland is certainly one of them. And I'm really excited to see my family down in Maryland, as well as all the major marks and the major brothers of the major wrestling figure podcast. And I'm really excited. Um, It's something I'm really looking forward to. It's kind of a silver lining, which I always look for in wrestling, but it's another silver lining in Um, really the month of November for me, as well as, you know, for the whole pandemic and really for everything going on, it's real pick me up. So I can't wait to bring to you guys, you know, my experience of the whole weekend. And that will be coming soon on the Not Your Mama Soap Opera Act 2 Wrestling Renaissance Limited feed. Um, And one last story that I really wanted to share on this episode was really a fig hunting success story. Like many of fellow figure collectors, I have been frantically and unsuccessfully hunting for many things along the shelves of Walmart and Target. And recently, after successfully finding the Ultimate Warrior Legend series at Target, my sights set on the 30-0 Walmart exclusive Elite 79 Undertaker, as well as the Decade of Domination Taker and the Survivor Series Drew McIntyre, although the latter two were more so not really primary hunts, but if I saw them, I was interested in them. That being said, I walk into Walmart Monday morning. There's this general rule of thumb that new stuff is put out on Mondays. I don't know how true that is. Nevertheless, I walked into the Comac Long Island Walmart store, and what do you know, a display was there. But not by the action figures, by the bicycles and the hunting stuff? Nevertheless, I waited for the other collectors to get what they needed, and luckily, by the time I made my way to the shelf of the display, there was a 30-0 Undertaker, a Decades of Domination Undertaker, as well as a Survivor Series Drew McIntyre. You know, I was fortunate enough that all of the boxes that I found were in great shape. These three figures are staying MOC and have um, been added to my MOC library that I've recently have reconfigured and reorganized. And I think it looks really great along with my loose collection. Maybe down the line, I'll give you guys a collection tour. That's something that the Ooses would want to see. You know where to hit me up on Twitter at Long Island 1892 if that is something that you would want to see. The hunt, though, for figures never stops. Now, eminently, as AEW Unrivaled Series 2 is supposed to be hitting shelves soon, I know I'm probably going to again go to Walmart at store open every single day like I did this past summer when Unrivaled Series 1 was hitting shelves. Um, You know, I received my brandy in last week, which I was really excited to. Also from Ringside, I ordered the Ringside exclusive Walter. I really wanted to open this figure, but I noticed that the box art from it depicts his appearance at NXT New York, which was a show I was at. And if that's the case, he is staying 
in package. I, you know, I was really taken back by his NXT UK match with Dragunov, both their, you know, British strong style that they incorporate in the match. And obviously with no one being in the BT studios, you know, you're able to have the, the sound play such a big role and the chops from Walter and just the selling and everything that went into that match was really a sight to be seen. And while I was on the fence initially about that exclusive, after watching that match last Thursday, you know, it was a done deal. Um, you know, so I'm really anxiously awaiting for the arrival of that, which I can't wait to get in. From Pete Dunne to Tyler Bate and now Walter, I'm such a fan of all the NXT UK figures. I really hope that they expand that roster and include more of those superstars down in the elite line. And that is our show, Ustas. I hope you have enjoyed it. Again, if you want to interact with me more, if you want to have a conversation about wrestling, if you want to see my random tweets about TV shows, action figures, movies, and all other things, follow me on Twitter at Long Island 1892. L-O-N-G-I-S-L-A-N-D-1892. Next episode will be out island time. Again, I've been your host, the NPR, the IWC, DFDC, Jeff Pomaccio. This has been Not Your Mama Soap Opera, Act 2, Wrestling Renaissance Limited, where sports entertainment is a lifestyle. Night Ooses. You have been listening to Not Your Mama's Soap Opera, Act 2, Wrestling Renaissance Limited, where sports entertainment is a lifestyle. Hosted by DFDC.